really know how the story ends, don't we? Uh, it's, it's obvious what happens next in the story of Nehemiah. Uh, even if you've not read, even if you've not read ahead in the book, and hopefully you have, but even if you've not read ahead of Nehemiah, it, it's easy to guess where, where it goes and how the story works out in the end. Now let me give you, let me give you just a quick update for you that have been here the last couple of weeks. This is kind of a, uh, kind of rehashing up, or maybe if you've not been here both of the last two weeks, it'll kind of tell you where we're at. We've been studying the book of Nehemiah over the last couple of weeks, and we'll, we'll for the next couple of weeks in, in addition. And we've talked about the story of Nehemiah and his challenge. The, the first one, we looked at the fact that Nehemiah was called by God to do something. Uh, he was one of the exiles living in Susa, uh, and and was there at, when his brother returned, and he found out, when he asked about Jerusalem, found out that Jerusalem uh, had been destroyed, that the wall was in ruins, that the gates had been burned with fire. And and so the first week we talked about how the fact that he had a passion, he, he saw that, he heard about that, he had a passion to do something about it, that he prayed to the Lord. He also looked at his perspective, and his perspective was a, a unique one. Number one, he was... He was just a cupbearer. He was a wine taster. That, that's all he did. So how in the world can he do anything? I'm just a cupbearer. But, but there was also a unique per- perspective because he was a cupbearer. He was a wine tester. He had the ear of the king. So he was in a new, unique position. Uh, and, and then he put a, put together a plan. And last week we talked about that plan. That plan was he literally went back to Jerusalem and began to build the, the wall, it was purpose driven. And every time God calls you to a good work, and that's, that's what we've been talking about the last two weeks and we'll continue on. When God calls to a good work, there's going to be a purpose. God has a purpose for that. But we also saw last week that it was people driven. Nehemiah couldn't do it by himself. There's no way the wall would have gone, come together if he was the only one. He had to, he had to inspire with his vision. He had to sell that vision to other people. Uh, and bring them on, and then it was person driven. It was driven by what God had given to him. So, so it's obvious what happens next, isn't isn't it? In 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 fact, if if you've already opened your Bibles to the Book of Nehemiah, God bless you if you have. Uh, you can go ahead and close them now, uh, because because you know how it's going to end. You, you you know what the story where the story goes. It's easy to predict. It's an obvious ending. How could it be anything but what you expect it to be? Nehemiah went to Jerusalem and he began to build the wall. It was the, the ending is obvious because we see what happens there. Uh, we, we know that God put this 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 idea, God put this project in Nehemiah's heart. Now, now I know I told you to close your Bibles, but let me. I, I got ahead of myself. Take your Bibles back out and turn to Nehemiah, because I'm going to have you look at just a couple verses real quick as we get started here. Nehemiah chapter 2 verse 12. We, we know that, that God put this in Nehemiah's heart. Verse 12 says this, I had not told anyone what my God had put in my heart to do for Jerusalem. So where did Nehemiah get this idea that he could rebuild the wall? This, this cupbearer who had no formal training, who had never really led anything, who really probably had never even been to Jerusalem. How could he rebuild the wall? Where did he get this harebrained idea? Well, it it came from God. It came from God. So 
So we know how the story should end, right? We know how it's got to end because, first of all, he was called. God called him. God's the one that put this idea in Nehemiah's heart. Not only that, but Nehemiah, Nehemiah believed that he would succeed. He, he, he got that call from God and he was 100% confident of the outcome. Uh, I think when people questioned him, when, when they asked him about what he was doing, and particularly there were some that, that questioned him a little bit with maybe doubting whether he could pull it off. I, I think he kind of threw back his shoulders and, and squared his chin a little bit. And, and this is what he said to them in Nehemiah chapter 2 verse 20. He says, says this, I answered them by saying, the God of heaven will give us success. He was confident that God would be with him as he built. So, so he knows what's gonna, so we know what's gonna happen next. We, we know where this has to end, right? He was called and he had confidence that God was going to give him the victory. But, but not only that, we know that the people followed him. The, the one thing that probably caused Nehemiah the, the biggest heartache, the, the one thing that, that probably caused him to stay awake at night was wondering as he traveled from Susa back to Jerusalem, he had to be wondering, what, what will the people do? Will, will they laugh at me? Will they say you're crazy? Will they say you're just a cupbearer of the king? Go, go back to Susa and taste wine. Or will they follow him? I'm, I, I'm sure he was worrying about how, how am I going to convince them to, to follow me? How am I going to convince them to help? Now, now Nehemiah was part of the project. He, he, he didn't just walk around bossing people. I think he literally put stone on stone and he cut, and, and, and he was a part of the project, but it wasn't going to happen unless unless he his vision was passed on to the people there, and they caught that same vision. And we know they did. Nehemiah chapter 2 verse 18 says this, they replied, let us start rebuilding. So they began this good work. So, so he was able to coordinate the people. He was called, he was confident, and he was able to coordinate all the people. So, so now go ahead and close your Bibles. If you have a little Bible bag that you carry your Bible in, you can close it, put it back in that bag because we know how the story ends. In, in fact, now, now if you've read ahead of Nehemiah, I don't want you to answer, but, but I'm going to give someone an opportunity here. Uh, and if you get this right, the sermon will be over and we'll beat the Baptist to the, to the restaurants today. Uh, how did the story end? Anyone want to guess? Because it's obvious. He was called. He was confident. He coordinated all the people. They said, sure, we want to build. And, and so, so how do you think it ended? Anyone? You're all scared? I won't make you come up and say anything. Seriously, I won't this time. Anyone? Anyone want to guess? Nick, it's just like Sunday school. Everyone's just sitting there staring. Well, let, let me guess for what, what you probably should have said. Because this is what we probably thought should have happened. It should have all worked out. It should have fallen together exactly like Nehemiah had imagined. It, it should have been a blessed time. In, in fact, what I envisioned it to be like was, and I thought about having him do this, I thought about having Colton stand up here and play his guitar a little bit. I, I imagine we, we could believe that as they built, they had... They had musicians like uh, like Johnny and Colton just kind of walking around the wall playing praise songs. 
And people were, you know, they were putting stone on stone and cutting the timbers and putting the walls and putting the gates up and, and singing praise songs the whole time that they were... I, I can imagine that that's how it was. Everyone's just happy and thrilled. At night, they would go back to the camp and Nehemiah would lead them in devotions and they would sit there and talk as a group like, man, this, it was a great day. Man, we, we, we did so much on the wall today. It is so exciting. I'm glad I get to be a part of this project. I, I can imagine them going back and saying, let's, hey, let's get to bed early so we can get up early and have the privilege to going back to the wall to build. We know that, that, that he was called and confident and he coordinated all the people. So everything went perfectly. Everything was great. Except. Except that it wasn't. Everything didn't go just as he had planned. Now, now in full disclosure, if you want to read ahead in Nehemiah, you'll see this. They actually built the wall in 52 days. The wall got built. Uh, that was the answer you guys were supposed to throw out there was, hey, they built the wall. Everything went good, but they did. It only took them 52 days, which was a miracle in and of itself, but, but it wasn't without problems. I mentioned last week that my prayer is, is for us as a church to be open to God's call, uh, for, for us to build walls, whether, whether it's large projects or small projects that, that as a church we'll catch vision of what God wants us to do to build walls. I also talked uh, about that we will, we will as individuals, uh, begin to catch that same idea, that same thought, and, and that we will feel called and confident and we'll be able to coordinate people around us. But I want you to know that when God puts a call on your life, when, when God calls you to do a project, whether it's big or small, whether it's, it's for a group or whether it's just for yourself, when God calls you to build walls, oftentimes it comes with challenges and sacrifice and difficulties uh, today and and then we'll finish the idea next week we're only going to look at one point today in your your outline we'll look at the other two next week we're going to realize that when god calls us to good good work sometimes sometimes it won't be easy it, it should be and when god calls us it also just fall into place it should have been for nehemiah everything should have just happened happened without any snafus, but but when God calls you, there's going to be some problems on occasion. Look in your Bibles, so you do have to go ahead and pull them out. We are going to look in Nehemiah after all. In Nehemiah chapter 4, I'm going to read for you just the first six verses. You can read on through that whole chapter and catch an idea of what all that was going on and how things were handled. But look at Nehemiah chapter 4, verses, uh, starting with uh, verse 1 and going through verse 6. When Sanballat uh, San heard that they were rebuilding the wall, he became angry and was greatly incensed. He ridiculed the Jews, and in the presence of his associates and the army of Samaria, he said, uh, what are those feeble Jews doing? Now, now, if you can imagine, that they were hanging out on the other side of the wall, uh, Sanballat and Tobiah and, and, and the army of Samaria, they are kind of just hanging out and catcalling and making fun of and giving them grief. Just hanging out there, telling them that, that, that they were worthless. He went on to say this, will they restore their wall? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they finish in a day? Can they bring the stones back to life from those heaps of rubble burned as they are? Tobiah the Ammonite, who was at his side, said, 
what are they building? If even a fox jumped up on it, climbed up on it, he would, it would break down, uh, he would break down their wall of stones. Then, then Nehemiah prayed, hear, hear us, O our God, for we are despised. Turn their insults back on their heads. Give them over to plunder in a land of captivity. Do not cover up their guilt or blot out their sins from your sight, for they have thrown insults in the face of the builders. So we rebuilt the wall till it reached half half its height, for the people worked with all their heart. Here's the first thing that we see in this text. We'll look at the next uh, two things next week. When, when you begin a good work, there will be opposition. There will be opposition. If, if you start something that God has called you to, no matter how big the wall building project is, there will be opposition. Jesus faced opposition when he began his good work here on earth. As soon as he started his ministry, you, you, you want to know the first people that opposed Jesus? It was his family. Early in his ministry, his family came to him one day and they were going to take him by force and take him home because they thought he was crazy. They thought he had some kind of Messiah complex, which actually he did. But, uh, but, but, but his family thought he was crazy. His faith group thought he was crazy. The religious leaders who should have been the ones following Jesus, they should have recognized that he was the Messiah. They were the ones that gave him the most grief. And even his followers at times opposed him. Remember, uh, towards the end of his ministry, Jesus said, I'm going to Jerusalem and I'm going to, uh, I'm going to be crucified and three days raised again. And, and what did Peter do? Peter pulled him aside and rebuked him. Jesus, you're wrong. It's not going to happen that way. So, so Jesus was opposed and Nehemiah faced opposition. And when we begin a good work, oftentimes we will face opposition. And, and this is, this is what it looked like. They attacked him personally. Look at, uh, look at verse two, what it says there. About halfway through it says, what are these feeble Jews doing? What are these feeble Jews doing? As, as, as Stanballot and Tobias stood outside the wall with the army and began to yell at them, what are you feeble Jews doing? You know what they were really saying? You know, you know how, how they meant to attack. They were saying to these Jews, your city, your nation, your history, your identity is in this rubble. You think you can rebuild this wall. You think you can do something great. How dare you think you can do this? How dare you think your identity is anything but this rubble? They attacked them personally. God may be calling you to build a wall. He may be calling you to lead the church or, or, or lead a group within the church in a project that will reach out into the community or reach out into our world some way and make a difference. Or maybe he's calling you to lead a project just within the body of the church, that will be a blessing. Or or maybe God is calling you to build walls in your personal life. In fact, I, I would assume over the last couple of weeks, some of you guys have been thinking, well, 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 well building walls, that's not me. You're, you've been thinking as, as Nehemiah is building these walls to Jerusalem and this big project, some of you probably didn't think, there's no way, there's no way that God's going to call me to that. But But maybe what God is going to call you to do is to build walls in your personal life. Maybe... Maybe that's the project that he calls you to. Here on Father's Day, maybe maybe God is calling some of the dads in our church to be better leaders of their family, to love their family in a better way. Maybe he's calling some of the moms to love their children in a Christ-like way. Maybe God is calling you to build walls 
in your own life. Maybe he's saying you need to build up walls to protect yourself from sin. Maybe some of the dads here and, and, and some of the moms here need to build their walls around the sin that's trying to reach into their life. Maybe, maybe you struggle with lust or maybe you struggle with covetousness or maybe you struggle with anger or maybe you struggle with depression or lack of faith. And God simply is calling you to build a wall and and the wall is in your, your your own heart. But know, no matter what your wall-building project is, oftentimes you'll face, face opposition and, and the attack will be personal. And sometimes it comes from within. Sometimes the, the, the personal attack comes from those closest to you. From, from ones that you would have thought would have encouraged you. Now, now, now let me suggest this. When God calls you to projects, and, and particularly if God calls you to something big, it's always a good idea to seek godly uh, wisdom from someone else. I, Rita's the one that I, that I throw ideas at. So when I, whenever I feel like God's telling me something, and, and, and let me, let me be honest, sometimes I come up with ideas and it's not God, it's just me. And, uh, and so I, I'll run ideas by Rita, and every once in a while, Rita, when I run an idea by, I'll say, "Hey, what do you think about this?" And, and Rita, I don't know that she normally says this, but she, I, I read her by her, her level of cringe because sometimes she just like, you know, it's like she's you know, got a bit into something sour. And, and really, what I know she's saying is, "You're crazy. There's no way that's going to work out." And, and so usually if she only cringes a little bit, I'm saying, all right, I'm going with it then. You're, I've got your vote of approval. But, but it's a good idea when, when you feel a call, make sure you talk to someone that, that has godly wisdom because, because maybe you're getting ahead of yourself. Maybe, maybe it's your, your own pride or your own spirit and not really what God is, is calling you to. But the truth is oftentimes when God puts a call on us, the, the ones that try to tell us that no, it's not, are the ones closest to us. Let me, let me illustrate this way. Uh, uh, I, 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 I know a guy from St. Joe. His name is, is Danny, Danny Gack. Danny, Danny was a member at Central Christian Church where I attended for several years and, and, uh, and Danny went to the, the leadership of the church. Now I wasn't in leadership at the time, but, uh, but, but I knew the leaders and, and, and they're all friends of mine and brothers and, and they have godly hearts and I believe they, they seek God's face. But Danny came to them and basically said, you know, God has put this on my heart. God has, God has called me to reach out to the homeless in St. Joe. And, and Danny had all these ideas. He wanted the church to join with him and, and buy a couple buildings in downtown St. Joe, convert them into buildings that could be used to, to service the, the, the working poor and the homeless and the ones that were struggling. And he had all these fantastic ideas. And, and so he came to the church and said, I think God has called me to do this. And, and you know what our leaders did? Now, and, and I'm not throwing them under the bus at all, but, but, but you know what they, they said was, ah, Danny, I don't know. I don't know that you're the man. Danny, why don't you, why don't you back off your vision just a little bit? Now, now in the end, Danny felt God calling him and, and so he kept going and ended up he left the church. It wasn't a bad split or anything, but, but, but he, he did what he said. He bought some buildings and he started a ministry in downtown and he's reaching out to homeless men and underemployed families and, and he is, he is doing a bang up job. Sometimes, sometimes when God puts a call on your life, when he to do a great work, uh, 
you're going to have opposition and sometimes it may come from within. Uh, and, and if not from within, it will definitely come from Satan. If you decide to build a wall and start a project, whether it's a, a big one or if it's just a project in your heart, be prepared that Satan will attack you personally. In Matthew chapter 4, we're told the story of Jesus after he was baptized by John the Baptist, that, that he went out to the desert for 40 days, 40 nights, he fasted, and then Satan came and tempted. Do you remember what that first, does anyone remember what that first temptation was? He fasted 40 days, 40 nights, Satan tempted him. Uh, anyone remember what that first one was? Turn, turn the, turn these rocks into bread. He hadn't eaten in 40 days. That, that's an obvious one. Now, now we could talk about why he did that, why Jesus didn't want to go there. But, but what he said to Jesus before that, it's really the thing. He said, if you are the Son of God, he attacked Jesus personally and he, he challenged him personally, if you are the Son of God. Uh, if you start a project, just know that Satan will uh, attack you. If you try to build walls in your personal life, Satan will attack you personally and say, who are you? Who are you to get this done? And not just did they attack him, they attacked the project. I think my battery's dying here. They attacked the project. There will be personal attacks, but there will be attacks of the project as well. Uh, and, and if you have your Bibles, look me in chapter 4, verse 2. The first thing they did was they overstated the work. Look at verse 2. What are these feeble Jews doing? Now, now, now notice what they talk about. They said, will they restore their wall? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they finish in a day? Can they bring these stones back to life from the heaps of rubble burned as they are? They attacked the the project by overstating the work. In essence, what they were doing was undermining the faith of the believers. They were undermining the faith of those that were following Nehemiah and they were undermining the ability of God to work in their life. They under or they overstated the work and they also understated its value. Look at verse 3. Notice what it says there. Tobiah the Ammonite who was at his side said, what are they building? If even a fox climbed up on it, he would break down their wall of stones. Their there will be opposition. If you try to build a wall, Satan will attack you personally, but he'll also attack the project and say, Can you really do that project? Look, look, look at who, look at who you are and then look at the size of this project. There's no way that you can make that happen. God is going to call us, God is going to call us to good works. He's going to call people in this church and he's going to call this church to do great things. Or, or God is going to call us as individuals to build walls within our, our life and, and to build walls that protect us from areas of sin and disappointment. God is going to call us to build walls and there will be opposition. We will be attacked personally, and our project will be attacked, but God will give the victory. If he gives us the call, we can have confidence that he'll coordinate it to his end. Let me close with this thought. Brandon 
Hatmaker in his book tells a story about his friend Alan, Alan Graham. Alan was a, uh, was a pastor at a church and did very well and very successful, but God put a call on his heart and, and, and God called him to work with, with the poor of Austin, Texas. So, so, uh, so Alan left his job and left his ministry and, and started this nonprofit and, and he tells a story that when he did, he was attacked personally and and there were people that came to him and said what are you doing this this is too big there's no way that you can do that you're, you're great where you are why don't you just stay doing what you're doing and they attacked the project they're like well really Alan aren't there enough other groups in Austin meeting the needs of the people in the inner city aren't there aren't there other organizations you can partner with and just kind of help out a little bit do you really need to do this so so Alan started this ministry but but as he started he felt under attack People tell him that no, you can't do it, or it's too big, or it has no value whatsoever. But but he hung in there and stuck with it. And and Brandon tells the story of a time that that he joined him in his ministry. He said he arrived late on a on a Friday night or, or a Friday afternoon, and just as the the trucks were leaving the warehouse, they had this huge warehouse, and there were dozens of trucks that would would go out through the city of Austin, and and they would go to the homeless shelters, and they would go to motels, and they would just go to to, to under bridges where the homeless hung out and, and they would, would provide them with hot meals and, and when it was cold in the, in, in the, in the wintertime, even though they get it really cold in Austin, they would, they'd give them blankets and hats and socks and, and gloves and, and so Hatmaker said, said he jumped in one of the vans with his friend and, and headed out and, and, and so they went to several spots and, and at last they pulled into this motel and as they pulled in, he, uh, he, he began to explain to him, uh, about what happens in the city he said said these old flea bag motels take advantage of the working poor they they have nowhere else to go and so oftentimes they're stuck having to stay in these hotels that will take cash for the night and they charge them exorbitant rates uh and he said it's just terrible and so they they pulled their truck into the 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 courtyard of this flea bag motels and as they did said doors began to open all around the complex and people began to file out and so they filed out and, and, and started to get in single line as, as they came up to the truck and they began to hand out food and began to hand out gloves and hats and blankets. And Hatmaker says, I noticed one guy kind of towards the back of the line. And, and he stood out because everyone else was kind of joking and talking. This guy had his head down and he's got a little bit closer in the line. He began to notice that it looked like his face was a little puffy and, and it almost looked like, like he had, had tears that had run down his face. And, and so as the guy finally came to the front of the line, Brandon says, I handed him a hot meal, and I said, do you need anything else? And, and the man said, well, said, I have three kids. Could I have food for them? And Hatmaker says, great. And he hands him the food, and he says, says, do you want a blanket? And the guy said, yeah. You want some socks? He said, yes. Gloves? Yes. Everything he offered, the man said, yes. And, and finally, after he was handed... Finished handing out, he said, said to the guy, are you okay? Because once he got up the front of the line, it was obvious that his, his eyes were puffy and his, his face was red and it were, was streaks of tears that were down his cheeks. He said, are you okay? And, and the guy said, yeah, yeah, I'm fine. But, and Hatmaker stepped out of the truck and pulled the guy off to the side and began to talk to him. And the guy said, said, it's hard. He said, I have three kids. And, and the job I work, I make $95 a day. 
but my room for my family is $85 a night. And by the time I pay for tools for my, my work, and by the time I pay for my bus ride to my job, I don't have hardly anything else to spend on my family. In, in, in fact, my kids haven't had a hot meal in three days. And then he looked at him and he said, I, I, I'm, I'm not really a praying man. But just a few minutes ago, I was praying, God, if you're really there, God, if you really exist, if you really care about me, would you just send someone to feed my kids? And he said, when I said amen, I looked up, and you guys were pulling in my driveway. Alan could have, could have listened to the ones that said, your project is too big. Stay where you are, you can't do it. He could have listened to the ones that said, hey, your project isn't that important. There's plenty of other organizations doing this work. Don't, don't follow that. Do, do what you're, you're used to doing. But instead, he listened to God's call in his life. And he met needs of people like that man. I have no idea. I have no idea what God may be calling you to do. I have no idea what walls God may be calling you to build. But but when he calls you, you can be confident. If it's his call, if, if you seek wise counsel and you're confident that God is the one that called you, you can be confident that he's going to coordinate everything you need to make it happen. But But know this, know this, sometimes there's opposition. Sometimes there's attacks. You just have to stand up under them to see the victory in the end. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning that you use cupbearers to build walls. Father, we thank you that you use, that you use pastors to feed homeless people. Father, we thank you that you use regular people to build walls in so many different areas of life. Father, we know that you're going to call people to serve you. You're going to call people to, to, to projects that are big. And, and Father, you're going to call all of us to projects that are small within our heart to build a wall of protection, to build a wall of hope, to build a wall of personal relationship with you. Father, you're going to, you're going to call us But Father, we know that there's going to be opposition. There's going to be ones that tell us that we can't do it, that that what we've come up with doesn't really make a difference. But Father, you're going to give us the victory if we believe and trust and hope and hang on. Father, thank you for Nehemiah. And Father, I thank you for his, his passion to follow through on the call on his life to build the walls of Jerusalem. Lord, give us that same courage. Jesus. If you're here this morning and you feel God calling you, maybe maybe it's one of those things where you need to just let no one else know about it. You need to say, you know what, this is what God's calling me to. And maybe it's just simply, hey, I've got to change this in my life and and I'm struggling. Can I state it publicly that I've, I've got this call and I need to build this wall? Maybe you need to do it publicly. Maybe, maybe you just need to share that with someone else. And I'd encourage you to find myself, find one of the elders, find find another brother or sister in Christ to, to share your call with.
people. They can pray with you. They can encourage you and give you strength. If you have a call you need to share, would you come as we stand and sing?